It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to The Plodcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus and I'm your host. So I'm wandering along at Brecon Beacon's hedgerow beside the River Usk and it's early November. And though I know a lot about the plants and shrubs that I can see here and my dog Idris, who's with me, is also intimately acquainted with them, I'd love to know a bit more about their biology and their culinary and pharmaceutical properties. So back in spring, our own Danny Graham went on a foraging adventure with his partner, the herbalist Maria Fernandez-Garcia, and they explored various free food and natural cures to be found in the hedgerow. So they returned this autumn with a new seasonal guide from the Connum River Park and the River Avon at the edge of Bristol. So listen on for a gentle walk full of fascinating insights. It's autumn now, and just like spring it's another wet day it's dawn or just after dawn the skies are quite dark still down to our right is the river Avon and following it upstream out of Bristol and on the left is thick deciduous woodland so up there we've got a hawthorn tree ripe with its red berries. Earlier in the spring we met the hawthorn tree that had the white flowers, the mayflower. And now in autumn we've got these really deep red berries. They came out quite early this year. Okay. But um, now as we're going in and we're getting a little bit colder, they're getting deeper in their colour of red. So they better... Are they better to pick when they're deep red? 
later yeah. in the season. Yeah, so later in the season, the trees had more time to put more energy into those berries, making them really ripe. Um, and we use them for the same reasons that you would use the leaves and the flowers. So they're an amazing heart tonic. You can have them in a tea uh, or in a tincture. It's recommended to consult your herbal practitioner or doctor before taking any medicines, but these these berries have been used for hundreds of years to help regulate blood pressure in the heart. I guess on another day we might try and pick some, but the hawthorn tree is protected by a thick shield of stinging nettles, which are absolutely covered in tiny snails and slugs at the moment. And these nettles, if you look closer, have got really thick seeds dangling down either side of uh, the leaves. So there's two types of nettle seeds. One is the male and one is the female. So the males are a lot thinner. They're not as chunky. They kind of stand horizontally or even sometimes upright because they're quite light. And that's the seed that has the pollen. The male seed will release the pollen and it will fly and catch onto the female flowers. And it's those female flowers that then develop into these really thick, dense seeds. And now is a really good time if you're looking to harvest nettle, that you harvest the female seeds. And these female seeds are packed full of nutrients, the same nutrients that you find in the nettle leaves in the spring. But they also have an added bonus of being an amazing adrenal tonic. So when we're stressed, our cortisol levels and our endocrine system, which is the one that uh, balances our hormones, gets overworked uh, because we're constantly stimulating it with stresses. And these seeds in particular, if you're taking these as a supplement, they can really help to nourish that system of the adrenals that are producing those hormones. So you can use them raw. You can just sprinkle them on your breakfast or sprinkle them in your dinner. As well as that earlier this year, I made a nettle seed salt. So I just pushed the seeds through a sieve got rid of the stringy bits of fibrous bits that they're hanging onto and then just mixed in some different types of sea salt or Himalayan salt, whatever salt you, you prefer. And then you can sprinkle that on your food and it's a really easy way to get a small daily dose of these amazing seeds. Mm. So fresh nettle leaves in spring and then late summer and autumn the nettles produce the seeds, which I didn't know. Um, <laughs> no, you could eat them. So we've got the weir just down to our right, which you may be able to hear bursting at the moment with water coming down off the side of the hills. So I just wanted to stop us here at Dandelion. So the flowers have died um, and you've got these toothed leaves that's telling of it still being dandelion without that yellow flower or that seed head, the round white seed head, seed head. 
But now would be a really great time to harvest the roots. Hello. Now would be a really good time to harvest the root of dandelion. So as the plant goes into autumn, all of the energy is going to be concentrating down into the roots. And dandelion root is much more bitter than the leaves and the flowers. So if you're looking for something bitter, uh, maybe as a coffee replacement or just as a strong bitter tea, then dandelion root is amazing. So if you have dandelions in your garden, this would be a really good time to start harvesting those roots. Cutting them up before they get dry, or as they're quite tough. Uh, washing them, and then, yeah, in order to make that dandelion root coffee, you just roast them in the oven a little bit, grind them up, and then it's a coffee replacement. Right. Just over on the other side of the bank, there's three, three little ducks sitting under a copper beech tree rain dripping down on their heads. They don't look too bothered. Water off the duck's back. Exactly. It really does feel like we've hit autumn now. The leaves are falling down around us. Helped off by the wind. I'd just like us to stop here at this elder tree. So one of the telling signs that it's an elder tree, either the flowers in, in May and June or the berries in autumn. But this tree, the one that's hanging over the river here, I think the birds have all got it. There's just these empty, deep red stalks that are hanging off the tree and the birds must have come in and picked off all those berries. If there are elderberries near you though, um, they're really great for our whole immune system so we're feeling like yeah. we're feeling like uh, we're feeling a little bit run down and we feel a cold coming on it's great to have an elderberry syrup in the cupboard have a little shot of that um, or put some in your tea uh, in the morning and it's really good to just get the whole system revved up ready to fight off any infections that are coming so if you do have elderberries still around you, then making an elderberry syrup is a really good way to harvest those medicinal properties of this tree. Mm. A good way to tell if it is an elder tree is it's got this bark, and it's quite light, and it's got speckles in it. Oh, yeah. Um, and the, the leaves themselves look quite a lot like an ash tree, ash tree leaves, in terms of that they've got these leaves opposite each other on a stalk and then one leaf at the end, and that's... Um, Consider the whole leaf or leaflet that holds it. And just underneath here is plantain. So this is greater plantain, Plantago major. And the seed heads on this plantain come out a lot later than the other plantain species, the ribwort plantain. One of this plant's common names is rat tail. You can see why. I can see why. Yeah, these long seed heads coming out. And these seed heads are edible, just like the seed heads of the ribwort plantain. And this whole plant, in fact, is edible. Can we, can we just eat them straight yeah, off the plant? Yeah, can eat them straight off the plant. You Let's can also roast them, soak them in water. Yeah. Mm, it's quite... It's a bready taste, isn't it? Mm. 
Mm. Almost like eating a wheat grain. Mm. I also think there's some mud in there. We don't need to put that in. Um, Remove mud. Oh. That's a, a tip. <laughs> um, but there's also a way you can soak these. So much like linseed, flaxseed, chia seeds, when they're soaked in water, they take on this sort of gloopy texture. And the same is true for these seeds. And just like those other seeds, uh, it can be used as an egg replacement in baking if you're looking to avoid eggs in your baking. So these seeds can be used for that. So what's this just down to the left of the plantain? So these leaves, these round leaves with the little lip in the middle, almost like an ear or kidney bean. Um, this is ground ivy and it's obviously trying to densely cover low to the ground and get strong for the winter. Um, in the spring it will shoot up a little bit, a little bit higher, so maybe 10 centimetres above the ground and it will have these purple flowers. It is best to harvest this plant in the spring. It's got quite a musty smell to it. If you can smell that, it's like a mint. Mm, it's yeah. like a... It is minty, yeah. like, but a bit more subtle than a mint. Mm, it's in the mint family. Yeah. So the reason it's called ground ivy is because it does spread like ivy, but it's actually not related to ivy. It's in the mint family. So could you use this in the same way that you might use mint in the kitchen? You could use it as, yes, because it is edible. Um, its affinity tends to be for the sinuses and the ears in terms of herbal medicine. But if you did like the taste and the aroma of it, then, yeah, you can use it in your cooking as well. So even at this time of year, it's October now, there's still colour in the verges. There's Himalayan balsam cow parsley with its white umbrella for heads bindweed flowers really bright white bindweed flowers and bindweed I found out uh, just recently that has been used in medicines across the world um, in China they use the rhizomes as food and in other cultures they'd use the leaves raw eating those in the spring okay and also it's used in herbal medicine. So for UTIs, urinary tract infections, um, medical herbalists will be able to prepare that in a certain way and dispense that to help clear those kinds of infections. Mm. So if you feel this, feel this leaf. Oh yeah, it's quite spiky. Quite spiky, exactly. Um, this is comfrey. So gardeners will be familiar with comfrey, common big comfrey. Big broad leaves, isn't yeah. it? Big broad leaves, quite long, but yeah, it's that furry texture that you'll be able to recognise if you feel it and then try and feel it again. There's these thick hairs on it. And this is a herb that gardeners use. It's really good if they make like a, almost like a comfrey tea and feed their plants with it. It's also really good as a, a wound healing herb, one of its common names, nip bone. And just below, if I just turn over this 
plant. Oh, yeah. Silvery on the underneath. So this is silverweed. It's got these alternate leaves going up the stem and incredibly serrated each of the tiny little leaves here. And as you turn it over, there's loads and loads of tiny white hairs. And if you were to put this on your mouth... Let's give it a go. Mm. Vel velvety. Mm. Quite drying. Drying and velvety. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this used to be a staple food for people living in the country. It's full of nutrients and also has this drying quality to it, this astringency. So you can use this in your food or as a tea to get its nutritional benefits that way. For, um, I think they were Canada geese, just flew over us in a V formation. flower it's got five petals and they're kind of curving and at the end as if you're about to start making in paper airplane so they fold in at the end like little pockets you see the oh, yeah. the yeah. water that's collecting in them and um, so this is soapwort a plant called soapwort any ideas what <laughs> they would have been used for I can't think <laughs> um, so it's got a compound in it called saponin Horse chestnuts, uh, conkers, also have this compound. And this would have been a plant that people would have used um, for the first types of soap. So as you lather it in your hand with water, it makes slight bubbles and would have noticed that it would have cleaned their clothes a lot better than just regular water. And on the other side of the path, there's even more colour. A few late buddleia flower heads, light lilac colour, some, some late blackberries and some bright ruby rose hips. I've heard these are very good. Yeah, so they're packed with vitamin C. Vitamin C is a great vitamin for our immune system. So these rose hips have more vitamin C per gram than oranges so if you were to make a tea out of this and drink it every day then you would be boosting up that vitamin c content in your body is it a simple case of just picking them off the branch and then boiling them in water or do you have to is there something else you have to do so the easiest way to get them off the branch is to twist them um so twist them off and they tend to come off a lot easier if you are going to ingest them in a tea it's good to take out the seeds. So just cut them open. The seeds do actually form quite a lot of the rose hips. So um, you need to get the seeds out and then it's just those, the casings that you would put in the tea if you're ingesting it. If you wanted to use the rose hips for an oil, uh, then it doesn't matter about the seeds. And in fact, you want the compounds that are in the seeds. Um, so you'd probably keep those in if you were gonna make something that to apply topically to your skin. But yeah, if you wanna make an infusion, 
um, taking out the seeds, leaving the cases, and brewing a strong cup of rose hip tea. We've just stopped at a patch of what I know as sticky weed. Yeah, so this other name is Cleavers. Um, and it's actually not as sticky as it is in the springtime. I'm not sure why that is. Um, but again, this is another plant that's just trying to get some energy before the harsh winter hits. If you are going to harvest this herb for its lymphatic stimulating qualities, so that's moving the lymph around the body, um, the lymph being that part of our body system that gets rid of toxins... Um, or moves the toxins away from the blood and gets rid of them uh, as part of the excretion process. So you want to be harvesting this herb in the spring if you want to use it for that. But it's nice to see that it's popping up, trying to get strong, ready for the winter. So here are acorns, which, considering their abundance, you would think that we would know a bit more about their uses. But we can actually eat these. Right. So, I didn't know that. yeah, there's a process where you would boil the acorns to soften the shell, break open the shell, and inside there is a nut. The shell itself is quite thin. So the nut actually is more or less the size of the acorn that you'll have. If you are looking to do this, then it's best to harvest the acorns that are bigger in comparison to their caps. If you look at this one, there's a, quite a small acorn in comparison to the cap. It's almost the same size, whereas you notice that there's these other longer ones mm. where the cap looks like a tiny hat. Yeah, they're almost, the, the acorns are bulging out almost. Yeah, so those will be the ones that you want to be using if you are going to do this method. Um, and then there's a process of roasting them for which you can eat them just like that, like nuts or grind them up further and roast them and you can make a flour which you can then use in baking oh wow yeah, so you can actually eat these abundant acorns great, a nice autumn bake and just here actually, right next to it there's this branch that's been blown off from the wind and attached is this green stringy lichen and this is usnia um, and if you pull it it's got a slight stringy texture to it so there's two types there's one called oak moss and there's another lichen called usnia and they look very similar they look like um, green sort of hairy bundles attached to the branches um, it's the usnia which is that more stringy lichen that's got incredible antimicrobial properties. So it's a, an amazing antiseptic. So you can use that for all kinds of colds and preventative as well. There's a preventative measure. The only sustainable way to collect lichen is to collect it when it's freshly fallen from the tree. Okay, it's, so no climbing into the trees and pulling it off. Do not do that, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's Usnia. And actually, if you look up into the tree, 
The branches are covered in these two lichens. Mm. I think they like the wet weather. Yeah. We've left the river and are going to return back to the start of the walk. Back through the forest is a series of glades, open grassy areas between the trees. Oh, looks like a bit of a... There's a bit of a battle, an aerial battle going on above us. Crows chasing away a bird of prey. Anyway, and down on the floor here, Maria spotted something. Some huge, broad leaves. So this is a type of dock, and its name is burdock. It's got these massive leaves, like you said, that almost curl in on each other. So they've got this curling in, almost folding in on itself, because they're so massive. And these red veins going through the middle of them. And they come out from one point. You can follow them down, all the way down to one point. Mm. Um, oh, very silvery undersides. Mm, yeah, a bit like that silver weed you were showing us earlier. Yeah, it looks like the water droplets are just catching on to that furry underside. And this burdock has a very thick root at the base of here. And that root is what's harvested to make dandelion and burdock, the bitter drink. Right. Um, for the same reason as dandelions, being bitter and good for the digestion and stimulating the liver, burdock is also used for that. So it's one of our native bitter herbs. And you can see the burdock heads just coming out of, from the centre of some of these big leaves. So, They're yeah. very sticky to touch. They cling on to your... If you brush them with your hands, they just cling on, don't they? Yeah. They're like li little... They're little black balls. Yep, and they do stick to your clothes. <laughs> so these were the inspiration for Velcro. Somebody was walking their dog. The birds coated the dog's fur. And he took a closer look and realised they do have these tiny, tiny hooks. And if you have anything that's Velcro, have a look. And there's one side of the Velcro that's these long, thin sticks with tiny hooks on the end. And it's that mechanism that was taken from the burdock. And if you are harvesting the roots, you want to be harvesting a plant that hasn't gone to seed, so that hasn't got these burrs, just like this one over here that right. doesn't have any flowers. That's the one. Okay. There's another seed head over here as well, teasels. They're a really good source of food for birds through the autumn and winter. Should we carry on up here? Mm. This woodland pass now, winding through woodland which in spring is we came here in spring and it is absolutely heaving with wild garlic it's one of the best spots around bristol uh, harvesting garlic but no signs of it now there's just lots of sycamore saplings 
bursting through the ground, trying to establish themselves. Really green, vivid ferns, heart's tongue, and male fern. Some young hawthorn trees. Again, it's October, but there's a lot of greenery around still. Autumn seems to have come quite late this year in terms of colour in the trees. From the woodland and into another one of these glades between the trees. And on the edge of the glade, there's a line of blackthorn trees which we've just stumbled across. And you can see still hanging on are some sloes. It's quite a lot, actually. Yeah. Looks like someone's been here to harvest because there's definitely more up there. Either a human or a bird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, as well as the Christmas slow gin that you can make from these berries, you can also make a fruit leather um, or use them in a jam or make a ketchup out of them as well. So there's many uses for these berries. It's best to process them with heat uh, or degrade them in some way as opposed to eat them raw off the tree. You can already see the lichen starting to form on the blackthorn trees, the leaves turning colour and that lichen just hanging on. Blackthorn and hawthorn seem to be absolute magnets for lichen. It's a good way to tell in the winter. If you look at a little bushy tree covered in lichen, check it out, see if it's got thorns on it. Most likely is hawthorn or blackthorn. How very useful. Thank you, Maria and Danny, for braving the wind and rain to bring us that delightful and atmospheric adventure. And it's inspired me to spend a bit more time looking at the plants I so often ignore on my daily dog walks especially as we are increasingly confined by lockdowns. Find out more about Maria's herbalism at her website, healingweeds.co.uk. As ever, please leave feedback and ratings about the podcast. It's a huge help to us. And you can always contact me, Fergus Collins, at my email address, editor at countryfile.com. Next episode, I'm heading away from the hills of South Wales to the flatlands of Cambridgeshire to visit the RSPB's Hope Farm, a wonderful place where they're exploring how to farm both profitably and for maximum wildlife. So look forward to that. It's a fascinating insight into how the agricultural world could be transformed. For now, you've been listening to the BBC Countryfile magazine podcast, produced by Jack Bateman. Thank you for tuning in, and goodbye for now.